When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're you're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, the top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. It was a roller coaster of a game, but by the, it didn't start high and end low. It started low and it climbed. I guess it's not much of a roller coaster though. If it's not very fun to just, I guess it was an escalator of a game. It didn't feel good to start. It was like very low first half, but by the second half, I'm way up there. That was awesome. 31 straight points in the second half. That's that's incredible. 34. 34. You're right. Oh man. But but it, imagine here's my thing. Imagine watching the first half. Wait, was it 34 straight points and 31 in the second answered. half? Okay, yeah, because they got that field goal at the end of the half. Okay. Oh wait, I'm I'm wrong. I'm wrong. They did 34 unanswered. Oh my gosh, I'm making it more confusing because they did get that field goal at the half. Yes, 34 yeah. unanswered. But imagine at halftime, you kind of you're like mm, 17 to three. Obviously, we are still going to care about this game. But say you're just like a casual fan and you're like, I'm not finishing this game. They're down 17 to three. They look bad on all sides of the ball. And you find out this team comes back and wins by 34-23. Obviously, Tom Brady has a garbage garbage touchdown to end the game, but um, that didn't really matter at the end of the day. And just realized how in the world they were able to do it with some other defensive injuries. Here's the thing. I Again, Tampa was dealing with injuries too. A lot of teams at this point in the season, teams are hurt. That's just the way it goes, unfortunately, and both sides were dealing with them. But for the Bengals to be without some of their key playmakers, you think of Mike Hilton, you think of Trey Hendrickson, they lose Sam Hubbard in the game, you lose Cam Taylor Britt late, late, late in the game, but still, to be able to make the adjustments, because at halftime, it looked like Tom Brady was just dicing them up, and there was just no way, even though I have faith in Lou, I'm like, I just don't know. I mean, are they going to be able to stop him? What adjustments are we going to see at halftime? And Lou does the king stuff that he does, and this team comes out. They get three and outs. They have four turnovers in a row against Tom Brady. Yeah, when three he- and outs or, or two plays and the ball's on the ground. I mean, honestly, yeah. What do you even at this point? It would it would have been better for Tampa if they could even punt the ball. <laughs> First point. down, <laughs> like they weren't punt. even they weren't even able to do anything. It was absolutely unbelievable uh, for this team to just force the turnovers. And I need to know all the stats. The last time all of that has happened, um, I know there was crazy numbers with Tom Brady being eighty nine and zero at home if he has a seventeen point lead. Now at an eighty nine and one. Uh, thanks to the Cincinnati Bengals. None of that stuff just matters. You know, you hear the stats, you hear it's Tom Brady. Oh, he's lost two in a row. He's not going to lose again after getting beat down by the 49ers the week before. The division is still in sight for the NFC South. And for this team to just go out there on the road, you're sitting on a five-game win streak, now make it six. This is a chance for you to capitalize, have sole possession 
of the AFC North now that the Baltimore Ravens lost and you'd get it done. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about that Ravens win doesn't mean that the Bengals can drop the Ravens game, but they can drop any other game. Like you can drop the game to Buffalo or the game to new England, but you can't drop that Ravens game and you can't drop two of those games. Uh, it just gives you breathing room. And I thought they might need it early on in this game for the whole entire first half. I was like, so this is a game they're going to drop. <laughs> like, this is the one you're going to be okay dropping, but they didn't. And that's awesome. Now, if the Ravens lose another game, now you start getting into, it's not just breathing room, but you could drop that Ravens game if you win the other ones, because who cares? You could rest your guys if there's no chance at the, at the one seed. I don't know if there's much difference with two and three. I guess you want the two seed just so you'd be at home if, you know, the three seed beats whatever. But uh, or I guess you'd be at home when you play the three seed because two seed probably plays the three. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. Uh, that's a long way to just say thanks, Browns. But also uh, good job Bengals winning that game. Uh, it was it was hard. It was, it was a toughly fought game. It was a very, very weird game. It felt like Tampa just had a uh, automatic rifle to their foot the entire second half of, you know, you just shot yourself in the foot with one fumble. They did a pair of the, the fumbled handoff felt like the moment where it was just like, I think, I think that, you know, the football gods out there want the Bengals to win this game. I mean, the geo for them. I mean, it just, that was I a sleeper agent. That was a calculated move by the Bengals. They planned that three years ago when they released them. They said, when we run into each other in Tampa, me over here believing everything you're saying for like five <laughs> seconds. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, where are you going with this? Um, but just it's just absolutely unbelievable. What's so amazing about it? I want to get to more of the defensive side of the ball in just a moment. BJ Hill, when he was coming off the field into the Bengals tunnel, he said, uh, that fairly tough defense. And you know, we talk about bullets and board material and all that stuff is really silly in the NFL because everybody gets paid to perform. But those guys hear the outside world. They know what's being said, and, you know, maybe Tom Brady's not taking a shot at them, but they know they are a tough defense. They have guys stepping up next man up to another level with this defense, and they performed again, forcing turnovers. DJ Reader coming up big again. This guy is just a force. Yeah, the strip sack from him where he knocks the ball out, perfect. I mean, and he recovers the other fumble, that fumbled handoff. He's the one who recovers it. Um, I think defenses recover those fumbled handoffs and stuff much more than offenses just because you've got extra eyes on the ball. Just something to note there where the offense, there's two guys who know he fumbled there, the quarterback and the running back. So they're ones trying to jump on it. Defense, everybody's got their eyes on that. They see that ball and they're all trying to dive for it. So that's one reason that Reader is probably able to come away with that other than him just being – a dude, uh, he had a good game, but it felt, man, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that had good games. I thought the Bengals corners might not have had a great game, at least for that first half, uh, but didn't matter. They came away with the win. I thought Jermaine Pratt had a really good game. Um, BJ Hill had a good game. Yeah. The, the fairly tough defense thing. I think that's why Belichick only ever talks glowingly of other teams and players and it's weird that Brady didn't pick up on that and just say like oh yeah that defense they held Mahomes to three points yeah they're really good or something like that and instead he says fairly tough defense and it's like that's not a shot or a backhanded compliment but it's not giving enough praise and uh they took that personally so it was cool it's cool that they know made a little bulletin board material I'm not sure if it means they played harder or anything but I think 
you know, it is cool to stick it to the greatest player of all time. And then to also, you know, be able to talk a little smack afterwards. You're probably not seeing that guy again. <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's funny because you watch the first half. Jesse Bates should have had an interception. Eli Apple should have had an interception. And we kind of joke like, man, these corners, these secondaries, these safeties, they have to catch the ball when it's in their hands. And then they come out and they force turnovers and interceptions and everything in the second half. Trey Flowers, if you had that on your bingo card of the first player to get an interception in, in the cornerback room. Yeah, nobody else has one, huh? I nope. didn't think of that. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, that was a really cool play. Um, so what they did there was they showed pressure and they didn't just show it with the front. They had everybody lined up on the front, but sometimes you do that and then you'll still have like a safety deep. They had no safety deep. They had their guys lined up. Um, you know, JT Sullivan at the QB school calls it birds on a feather or not birds. Oh, that's a different saying. Birds on on like a fence post. So, you know, just straight across straight line that's called uh straight contour if you want to get more technical about it but what that means is you're either going to get quarters or zero most likely and with that look with all the guys up front you're probably getting zero they didn't zero brady because that's not really something you should do too often uh but what they did they dropped eight guys in the coverage so they only rushed three and the Bengals are one of the leaders of the nfl in dropping eight and only sending three guys to rush. So they drop eight. That floods an extra person into coverage. Talk about resource management. You have 11 guys to use. Do you, who do you put in coverage? Who do you rush? Generally, it's seven and four, but this time they went eight and three. It was cover three, so a single high guy rotated from uh, one of those birds on the fence post to the deep middle. And what that does, it, it just created a constriction of space. So many guys in the passing pattern they're not getting a ton of pressure but the Bengals weren't getting a ton of pressure anyway so when brady goes to throw that it's such a tight window throw because they dropped eight guys into coverage that it didn't exactly hit the mark and trey flowers can come away with the interception i'm not sure they fooled brady so much as they played they played rock when brady played scissors it's kind of wild to ask you this because obviously we talked about the performance of the defense and just the turnovers, how they turn it around, the adjustments that we noticed with guys stepping up with some of the starters out in this game. But what did you think of the absence of Trey Hendrickson out there and how the defense looked without him? That was definitely felt. Uh, I think, and then Sam Hubbard gets hurt too. I was, uh, Hubbard got hurt early, so I can't say too much. I really thought they'd be able to get a little bit of pressure, especially when Donovan Smith got hurt. I know he came back, but you're playing a hobbled Donovan Smith at left tackle. They have a backup right tackle, and this offensive line hasn't been very good the entire year. So I came into this thinking the Bengals don't have dudes really on the defensive line without Trey Hendrickson, but they should be able to get some pressure, and they just did not. I want to go back and watch. I know Osai made that one tremendous hit on Tom Brady that forced the wobbler that Pratt caught. But overall, I, was, I thought the pass rush was fairly lackluster and a big reason why that the Buccaneers were able to move the ball so well early on in this game. 
Yeah, I think kind of going forward, the thing, and I give credit to the Bengals for this when it comes to injuries and how they put their guys in the best position as possible. They're not going to rush them back. So if Trey is someone who can play with the club, depending on what they decide is best for him going into the Patriots game, or maybe they send him out until the big game against the Buffalo Bills. But that's just something to watch out for on the injury report this week. I know Zach Taylor did say last Monday that he wasn't going to roll him out for the Tampa game just yet. And then obviously he did not play. Uh, when you think of Dax Hill out there, I know you're going to go back and watch the tape, but just from watching the game live, what did you think of him? Um, I didn't think it was great, but he wasn't in a great spot all the time. Just not like him messing up. I mean that I think the defense called or needed in the moment required him to do something that was a bit too hard for a rookie making his first start. And what I'm thinking of is that defensive pass interference to Mike Evans. He is in press man coverage against Mike Evans from the slot. That is hard. That is really hard. I thought he did okay. He missed his jam early, so he's playing from behind the entire rep. But he gets back in there. He just – I know there's the whole you have to look back thing, whatever. I think that's extremely hard to do because you don't know when the ball's coming unless you just see the hands and stuff, and then you try to play through the hands. You're not seeing him raise his hands and then turning your head, and then it's it's like immediate. I gotta get my hand in there. So 50-50 call. I could I see why it's called because he made a lot of contact, stopped him from catching that ball, but not he wasn't in he could have been in better position if he would have landed his jam and everything that's just really hard uh i thought he had a few reps like that where it was just like oh, that's a really hard ask whether it's godwin or evans or even russell gage got him a couple times that's one where i would think i hope he would be able to win that matchup but he didn't always win that matchup uh i thought in general the tampa bay wide receivers had their way a little bit with mm -hmm. the Bengals corners and i think the buccaneers game plan that not just to attack hill but everybody and i can uh explain what i mean by that in the most important downs there was a fourth and one and uh on the goal line two different times they do what they create what's called a four strong look and what that is is it means you motion the back and send him to the trips three wide receiver side so you have four guys over there and out of your five eligible receivers Talk about resource management, you got 80% of the guys over here. What that does is generally you're going to have the backside, the one, one-on-one. -on -one, and they got that with Eli Apple, and that was when it was a it was a tough catch, but Evans beat him on the slant on fourth and one to make the catch. And then they tried it again, but this time the Bengals responded by using another resource, a safety, to just bracket Evans. So they, we're not letting Evans beat us, but what that does, it takes a guy away from the four strong side, and that left – I think it was Cam Taylor Britt one-on-one -on -one with Russell Gage and he gives up the touchdown. And yeah, I think it's a smart way to attack the defense. You would hope that the Bengals corners would be able to step up and make it. So like, you're not going to be able to just do that and get whatever you want against us, but the Bengals defense uh, won in other ways. <laughs> the, the drop eight cover three, a lot of these fumbles and opportunities, the interceptions. So they didn't show, they didn't convince me that I should be, excited or not nervous about when they play Buffalo, because I think if I'm the bills, I'm taking that four strong idea and putting Stefan Diggs as the one and seeing what happens. Although I will say uh, 
Chris Godwin is way better than anybody else that the Bills have besides Diggs. Like I think Gabe Davis is fine, but he's really just a high variance touchdown or drop type of guy. Yeah, and and hopefully by then again we'll know more this week and, and later the following week, uh, the Mike Hilton injury if he's good to go if he's back out there you think of um, Cam Taylor Britt hoping to get good news on that he was rolled out in that game again we don't know what the injury is I know that was a shoulder for him um, but if it means that he is going to be good to go versus the Patriots next week because it is a short week for them because they do play on Saturday but let's get to the offensive side next on it's always game day in Cincinnati.